Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, and welcome to the Modern Australian Underground podcast. I'm your host, Christina Papp. I'm breaking up the routine a bit. Instead of the radio show today, I'll be bringing you another interview. I'm doing a bit of an overhaul of the schedule at the moment, in which I'm planning on doing more interviews, but still having a radio show episode once a month. I know it's also been all Melbourne conversations, but I'm working on branching out of state, so bear with me. But on the show today, I'll be talking to Al Montfort and Amy Hill, who currently do Sleeper and Snake together, as well as playing in Terry and Constant Mongrel, plus a slew of other bands across a vast variety of underground genres they've done separately over the years, including Primo, UV Race, Dick Diver, Lower Plenty, East Link, Total Control, School of Radiant Living, Straight Jacket Nation, and the list goes on. I don't specifically remember when I met Amy or Al. I think with both of them, it was just a matter of becoming familiar with each other over time from seeing each other at shows. I'd been going to Straight Jacket Nation shows since maybe 2007, with UV Race following shortly after that. And we talked through that time period, as well as when they started getting into music, moving to Melbourne, plus how they met and how music has played such a large role since it entered their lives, plus a whole bunch of fun stories thrown in for a good laugh along the way. Sleeper and Snake's first album, Junction and High, was released in 2019 off Art Records. It was followed the next year by their Fresco Shed LP, released by both Upset the Rhythm in the UK and Melbourne's LSD Club. This is their song Flats, right here on the Modern Australian Underground. Sweet, the weight of the light, the weight of the 
Why do you make music? Hmm. <laughs> I don't know if I ever asked myself that question in the beginning. It just was fun, I guess. I don't know. You learned at school a bit. Yeah. To play I, music because you were so into bands and stuff. So, wait, I love bands. Mm. Um, <laughs> but the, um, <laughs> I think, I think it's pretty fun. Good way to socialize. Also, a good way to um, be creative. Yeah, creative creativity rocks. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. Don't know why I make music. I think definitely for me it was it was fun. Like the first band I was in was with like two close friends who also couldn't really play music. Roberta could play guitar. But Mel used to she worked in like a prop shop and she used to just get like a weird sound making device from yeah. the prop shop and that would be hers for the gig. And I was supposed to be the drummer, but... A weird sound-making device like oh, what? like once she had like a violin that was like broken and right. just pretended to play it. Yeah, yeah. Things like that. We were called the Sexual Emotions. It was a really bad... <laughs> That's a sick name. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like so we were just literally like three drunks having a good time. Mm. We are probably very hated in Auckland music scene. <laughs> you got, um, did you get rated highly in some scene? Some Kiwi zine. Yeah, I think that must have just been a bit of a joke, though. Kiwi It was, like, zine. best bands in Auckland of, like, a certain era, and it was, like, us and then Die, 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 who obviously, like, take themselves quite seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so I think they were a bit outraged. But friends of us, so it doesn't yeah. matter, does it? How long ago was that pre-school of reading living? That was in Auckland. Yeah. Yeah, and then I met Harriet in Auckland, yeah. who was Roberta's sister, and we started Sleepless Nights, which is like our country band. Again, also couldn't really play country music, but we really tried. And then Harriet and I both moved to Melbourne and we kept doing that band. And then that turned into Radiant Living when Georgia and Marion joined. Yeah, there was some pretty odd times for Radiant Living, that's for sure. We mm. used to like dress up and, yeah. On a bit of a hippie kind of vibe, yeah, as well. Which now I'm just like, oh, maybe. So you went from country to hippie. <laughs> <laughs> you yeah, were a, you were a cult, I think. Yeah, that was yeah. the kind of thing, wasn't it? Like beads and stuff. Very odd. Pretty fun. Is that how you met Amy when she was wearing beads? Yeah, I was like beads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> you had me at beads. That's what I said. No, but that's when we met. Wait, you met when you were doing School of Radiant Living? Yeah, through Georgia. Did you come to a gig? Yeah. And then there was the bus trip, UV race, to Geelong, and I came on that. We rented a um, double-decker bus. We had a gig (laughs) in Geelong. It was like before, like, bands were playing Geelong really often, like Melbourne bands, before Melbourne bands were playing Geelong quite often mm. and we're like well nobody's gonna come see us in Geelong yeah like, is there even a scene in Geelong we yeah. didn't we just didn't know this was pre like you knew Billy or like the living eyes yeah we would have just met maybe Jake Jake yeah so this is probably 11 this is 11 years ago yeah yeah and we just were like, cool, let's hire a double-decker bus and we'll bring everybody, a party, it was a party bus, and we brought everybody down from Melbourne. So there was like 60 people on the bus and I think there was like 63 payers. And yeah. Because did we pay for our ticket 
that was the bus and the show or something. Yeah. 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 Before all this, being in New Zealand, like talking about getting into music, do you remember like buying your first record and like kind of the story around how that happened? I had tapes, my first record, because yeah. I have two older sisters, so I probably right. kind of listened to music that they were into, which was kind of like a oh, weird mix growing up, mm. like Prodigy. We'd I get like to God. <laughs> We'd get like tapes that we'd listen to in the car over and over and Prodigy was one. Middle sister was really into like Morrissey and the Smiths and stuff. I had a real big Michael Jackson dangerous period and that's like my first tape which I think I was like obsessed with oh it's all such a strange what did your parents think in the car when you're like cranking (laughs) Morrissey and then the prodigy dad's like Citroen (laughs) DS7 or whatever I don't know I think they just were like oh whatever he used to just like buy us um like CDs and books for Christmas every year so we'd get to choose a CD that we wanted yeah which was pretty good what did you choose? Um, the uh, Pulp Fiction soundtrack. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, and then I think when I kind of got into my teens and stuff or was really into like grunge, then kind of got into more like rock and roll and punk and stuff and then later than that really into country music. Mm. So that was kind of the mix. Auckland in like kind of early 2000s. I think like a lot of my friends were kind of like art students and stuff. So it was that kind of vibe as well, that kind of alternative music. And there was different like nights that you'd go to. I'm trying to think what they're called, like Kiss and Makeup Club or something. You know, we'd go and there'd be like Cute. a DJ who'd be playing like God knows. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really, like really fun. Did they have bands as well? There was always bands playing. Mm. Yeah, maybe not at that night, but there were like different venues where mm. you'd go and see bands and then there'd be DJs and stuff. Mm. The huge. The huge. Who are playing? Coolies. Die, die, die. No, yeah. was that too early? I don't know if I could remember all the about. I, I think I could probably only remember, yeah, like the Coolies and Die, 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 because they used to play together all the time and we're friends. Yeah. So we pretty much just go to their gigs. That's nice though. That's what it's kind of like in any scene though. It's like mm. there's always yeah. like. Just go out to see your mates. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Al? Do you remember? What, um. What record? I can't remember if I got an E17 CD single or um, Digging On You by TLC. TLC. Oh, I can't nice. remember what one of them is oh, the yeah. first CD single, but I think Green Day, Dookie, or What's a Story in Morning Glory by Oasis mm, was the first. Right. Cassette. So I was more into Blur. Blur, so. Which yeah. I know is probably a controversial thing to say these days, but <laughs> at the time yang. I was. Why, what's more the deal blur. with Blur? Blur, cool. Eh? Well, I think they were seen as like. Oasis was kind of like the working class band and Blur were like the kind of tough, toffee. What was New Zealand missing that made you want to come over to Australia? I don't think it was actually missing anything. It was just that Harriet moved here and she convinced me to go Yeah, <laughs> she wanted to have friends. And me and Mel were like, yeah, cool, we moved to Melbourne. Like it just seemed like a kind of fun thing to do. And then we came here and... Mel left like quite quickly because she'd met the guy in mm-hmm. in Auckland just before we left, classic. So she left and then I was just here and I just had to kind of work it out. Lived yeah. like a lived in like Abbotsford in this like rundown house with this hippie that just like drank red wine on the couch, like a cask 
and there was like a stain of where he would like pour it. And so, you know, when you just like move into places because you just don't know what you're doing and you're like, have what about no Harriet choice. though? Like, weren't you guys living well, together? She, she was living with her partner at oh, the time, okay. and I really overstayed my welcome. Right. <laughs> it was like a one bedroom <laughs> flat, and I was like on the couch. And then I moved and stayed with some other friends from New Zealand for a little while and also kind of overstayed my welcome with them. So I had to move in with the hippie. So was School of Radiant living the first band you did here? Then? We did Sleepless Nights ah, first. Yeah. yeah, which was just the two of us. And to be honest, like pretty weird gigs. Like we thought we were playing country music, but mm. like in retrospect it was pretty like I would almost say like avant-garde. I, know, like, like we started, I, I don't know if we have any recordings. I had a computer that we did heaps of stuff on, mm. but my house – when I was living in Clifton Hill, got robbed and right. lost that laptop, which had like all of our early stuff and like on it, mm. um, which was a real bummer. But to be honest, maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> like yeah. I, there was like one gig that we did at the post office hotel. And to look for the life of me, I cannot really understand why we were decided that this was a good idea. Because like I was playing bass probably quite badly and Harriet was playing What's the one that you blow into and it's got the keys? I can never remember what this is called. Like, Melodica. Melodica. Ah, okay. Yeah. And then like I was singing like in the, kind of like a cappella, but oh. with hardly any instrumentation, thinking that we were doing a country music set. <laughs> hey, isn't country like punk? It's like whatever you make of it, mm. right? <laughs> You're like, yeah, Glad sure. you said that, yeah. And the melodica might be like the Kiwi <clears throat> reggae influence of, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, Dane's certificate was just happened to be at that gig and he loved it. So, mm. you know, can't, must have been doing props something from right. an, an original weirdo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's and so you told good. before, like, uh, you were anything connected to the punk scene. Did you tell me that you played a um, what are you gonna say? party <laughs> that Sean South had asked you to play at as well? Yeah, we played. I ended up being in his kitchen, but they. Then maybe there was like a warehouse over the road from his house on what's that Barclay Street? Barclay Street. Yeah, yeah. And they had, they don't know if they just like broke in illegally or they were allowed to go in there or if it was just anyway squatted or whatever. They tried to have a party there, but it ended up getting shut down and they turned off all the power and stuff. So we played. I actually don't know how we got that gig to be honest. I think Harriet was friends with. Harriet Morgan and mm. Sean Sapp That house, stuff. I remember that house that yeah. long ago. It was a weird time. But it was fun. That Imagine was good. Was Everyone like... would have been just so confused <laughs> at what we were doing. The Nihilistic Orbs country record that never, <laughs> that never yeah. was. That'd I don't know if you would have really been able to hear anything. Maybe it just sounded like punk music because it was so blown out. You're not from Melbourne either, are you? No, I'm from um, Yarragon. Where's Yarragon? It's like um, near the Latrobe Valley, kind of West Gippsland. Born in Melbourne, though. Born in Melbourne, though. Right. Lived here I was 10, then moved there for um the teenage years. The Is there a punk scene up there? No. Yeah. There's a few kids from Maui into hardcore and Marcus uh, is from yeah. Warrigal and Moses oh, also. So three of UV race, yeah. The only punks in Warrigal? Yeah. Did you meet DX up there or was that a thing down here? No, that was only through Straightjacket. When we started, well, when we started, it was like. It's interesting that you met him through Straightjacket and then you went on to do so many bands together. Yeah. Yeah. I'd seen The Plague 
before. Oh, yeah. And that what, was, was that his first pair? Yeah, that was like crime is, thing type. Um, I think that was straight edge. It was like straight edge Annika, like kind of. I've never heard that. Yeah, they were really good, really aggressive. Um, what was his role? Was he the front person? Yeah, or? and lots of, um, well, I think were good political diatribes mm. between songs. Yeah, yeah. I quite enjoyed it right, as right. a 16-year-old. Where would you see them play? I think I saw RMIT. Like there was a, there was a venue. It was like a room that people used to hire out and put on gigs, like a hall or something. Like yeah. near CNFM or something. It was kind of near CNFM. Right. It was like closer to Swanson Street. Yeah, was like it in... between CNFM and Swanson Street. Did you? Who did you know to start Straightjacket then? I think we just talked to Em and Dave at gigs. Yeah, I was going to hardcore gigs for a while, and then. They're like, oh, we're starting a band. Do you, do you play an instrument? I was like, I play bass, and I'm like, sweet. Like, we've we think we've got this singer in Wollongong, <laughs> DX from um, the plague. The plague. We're like, cool. Didn't the bass you play in Straightjacket only ever have three strings though? Yeah, right. yeah. Not much of the. Is there a reason ones. for that? Just it broke. So I guess I was on the dole for a really long time, and then a student. Is that so the youth one that- allowance. Daniel Toomey has now? Yeah, Daniel Toomey has it now. Xanthi had it for a while. For primo. But I saved to buy a bass cab yeah. on the doll. Right. Pretty good. I'm pretty Human proud of that. can't do that later. these days. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah. I've had really cheap rent, $50 a week granny flat shared oh with God. somebody else in um, Clayton. So I moved from I moved from Yarragon to Clayton. The big smoke. And what year was what year was this around? Like you moved to Melbourne, you start up straight jacket. Because um at that time, Dave and Emily were living at um the Pink Palace. Right? Pink Palace, yeah. yeah. It's just cool because like I mean, just talking a yup, yup, yeah, and getting that part of the conversation is kind of cool to like build the scene mm. at that time. Just thinking about it. Well, yeah, I'd come down, go to gigs at Pink Palace or mm. you know wherever it was holding all ages gigs at the time. Yeah. Um, and then when I met Dave and M, I just stay on yeah, their yeah. floor. Oh no, on their couch in the Pink Palace. Yeah. And that's where I met Yap and Timmy and Jimmy, everyone, Tristan, Sarah Haywood, who I'd play in Lower Plenty with later. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually speaking about houses and speaking about Lower Plenty, I was going to ask because there was that house it was on the cover of Hard Rubbish. Mm. And I remember, like, I think I was only, I only went there once or twice, but there used to be, like, shows there and stuff. And then everyone got evicted and I think it got demolished. Yeah, it got demolished. Were you living there? Yeah. Um, it was Tom Griggs of um, Oh, was it? Farleaf Limit. Yeah. And The Focus. <laughs> well, he lived at Pink Life. Palace as well. Yeah. Mm. And that's where, yeah, that's where I met him as well. And I got recruited for The Focus. Oh. I put my hand up. I loved them. They were such a good band. <laughs> right. um, but, yeah, that house was Steph, Cola, Tom and myself. And there, there was like that also, speaking of cheap houses, it was crumbling. It was falling yeah. apart. But it was a cool house though. And yeah. you had the little rehearsal room. Yeah. I think it was $1,200 a month for four bedrooms and a little shack, which is a jam wow. room. In Brunswick too. In Brunswick, yeah. yeah. Three. You're like around the corner from A1. Oh, yeah. Yeah, three. So that was pretty good. But, yeah, we had uh, so many rehearsals in that 
jam room that was there. Yeah, and at, like I think I saw the UV race play there. Did you have a lot of shows in the backyard? Had a few. I think every time it was someone's birthday, we'd have a little party, but it wasn't like a lot of house parties. (laughs) And like when we were. There was the. the, When you moved out, the demolition party, which wasn't actually a demolition Mm. party, but Mm. somehow people kind of thought that it was. Yeah, that was. It's just assumed when you're moving out of a place and it's about to get demolished. That rundown. Yeah, we told everyone, don't don't tell anyone it's like a demolition party. But the people were like, oh, what's happening? You're moving out. And I was like, oh, yeah, they're knocking it down. And they were like, oh, whoops. Um, <laughs> and then it just, it got it got pretty crazy. But because yeah. we had the same, we moved into another house owned by the same landlord. So yeah. we had to have some cordial. Um, uh-huh, couldn't yeah. just leave it completely yeah, couldn't, ruined. Yeah, completely destroyed it. But what <laughs> happened was the shed got destroyed, the jam room got destroyed, half of the... Um, the back of the house. It was like it was like <laughs> demolished. I wasn't there. I think I was overseas. Mm. Were you so on tour that. or just on a holiday? Mm, randomly, like in the first year of us seeing each other, I went overseas for three months. My sister had a baby mm. and like her partner wasn't around. He like works on like boats and stuff. So I went and like just helped her with the baby for three months. Right. And that must have been during that whole period because, yeah, yeah that, I don't remember that. <laughs> but, yeah, cool house, 6 Hope Street. Now it's um, apartments yeah. and on the bottom is a laundromat called Soap in the City, <laughs> which I think is really good. <laughs> so what year, was, what year did that happen anyway? I feel like it wasn't oh, that long ago. It was yeah. like early 2010s or something. Yeah, it must be 2011, 2012. Yeah. And then, yeah. 2010. 2010 maybe, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that would make sense, 2010, 2011 that it got knocked down. But, um, yeah, good good shack. Then moved into another rundown property owned by the the same slumlord on (laughs) Nicholson Street. Yeah. (laughs) Which was also good. Yeah. Had a few shows there as well. Yeah. Backyard gigs. So at that point, you guys were seeing each other for about, you said? Mm. Something like that. So when did you actually start making music together then? Or like what was the situation around you guys starting to jam? It took a while, I reckon, because you were in heaps of bands. We started Terry in 2015. Mm. And that would have been our first band I do have uh, Terry talk about Terry in 2015. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. But also... That was the year you went on Dick Diver tour mm. around the States and maybe Total Control tour? Double, double drop. In the States as well? <laughs> yeah. There was one that I was there that Total Control played. I can't mm. believe you did two circuits. Laps. Well, they're two like different-ish really bad. Mm. scenes. Yeah, it's totally. So at least you get a little bit of a different experience with each one. Cleveland, definitely. I was like, because <laughs> every other time we'd play, like with Straight Jacket or Uva Race, Total Control, we'd played Now That's Class. And yeah. then with Dick Diver, I'm like, what, there's a venue that's not <laughs> yeah. Now That's Class in Cleveland? What the hell? Did you and get then a it hot was dog? Like, yeah, we got a hot dog and it was like everything was... So civil. I yeah. was like, whoa, this is not Cleveland. Yeah, no, that? definitely. It's, yeah. Yeah, they have like pinball machines and they have like this this list and you just tick off like all the condiments and all the like 
shit yeah. that you want. That was so it's good. Dope. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. What was the gig at the hot dog shop like? It's pretty good. Yeah. Did people um, come? There was a few heads in the room. Not many, but what's his name from Nine Shocks' other band? Do you mean Steve Peffer? Steve's other band. Oh, uh, Homo Stupids? No, it was... Oh, uh, the um, Pleasure Leftists. Pleasure Leftists. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. They were there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Was Greg Bailey there? Oh, yeah. He were, he's, um, was UV Race's spiritual leader oh, for a right. while. <laughs> Him and Tim Scott, yeah. <laughs> was he a tour driver? Um, he drove a little bit, not too much. He kind of moved to Australia in the late 2000s and um, was really into like Oz Rock and UV Race. And yeah. he also has um, a bunch of Gigi Allen tattoos right. and used to roadie for um, the Murder Junkies. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. So what was the first tour you guys did together? This was 2015, we're talking about yeah. this, but was it before that or a bit after that? Well, we, actually, went to, we went to New Zealand maybe in 2016, 2015, mm-hmm. 2016. But I came to the States for one of the tours and met you at the end and we went to Mexico. Yeah. Ah, nice. And that's kind of where Terry, Terry was born because yeah. we went with Zephyr and Xanthi. It sounds like an exhausting year for you, like, I mean, in terms of all the tours and stuff. Yeah, I just yeah. overdid it. Which is fine. Yeah. It's like too much of a good thing. So something I wanted to ask you, Al, in terms of just like the range of like genres that you've played in over like the last 14 years, what did you find in hardcore and doing Straight Jacket that you also found years later in doing a completely different sound? Like what was like the thing that tied it together? Um, riffs, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Riffs. I think riffs. Yeah, just riffs. Um, I don't know. If good th- riffs is all you need. Yeah, good riffs. That's I think a, it's, that's a t-shirt slogan. Right yeah. <laughs> I think it's like straight jackets quite like, um, powerful and, you know, energetic, but I think maybe it could be, you know, there's other ways to be maybe power, you know. To express yourself. Express yourself and Mm. kind of get through Mm. what you're talking about and kind of comes back to your first question, why do you do music? I think it's kind of to express something that Mm. you can't really do because I'm too awkward at talking or too, yeah, Yeah. not educated enough. That's not true Um, at all. (laughs) But I think it's like, yeah, yeah, maybe that's the the thing that's why music can break those boundaries and it's like I think also like what you get from collaborating. I remember, you know, the first time I brought a riff to Straight Jacket, mm. I was only like 17 or something and they were like, that's cool. <laughs> oh, cool riff. And then it was like we made a song around it and built something on it or like the first time I contributed something to a Straight Jacket song. I was like, well, that was cool. We've just created something. We've just built something. And now people kind of maybe jump off the stage to it yeah. and, yeah, have a mosh. That's cool. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I think that's <laughs> still the same feeling of like collaborating now with whatever band. It's like just yeah. get so um, jacked hearing somebody playing a riff and being like, how's this sound? And like maybe it makes it better. Who knows? It's just like, it's pretty fun. That's a great answer because it totally makes sense. Would you feel the same way in the music that you make? I think as well, like making music for me, because I've always been like a really kind of 
shy person mm. and to have to like literally go on stage shaking mm. and like just do it and like but have so much fun. But yeah, like it's 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 weird how it's kind of changed. Yeah, like how I can kind of perceive myself and stuff as well. Just mm. having fun doing all of that and yeah, the the collaborative thing definitely. It's just just a really good time, isn't it, when you like write a song with someone or a bunch of people? Does it just feel like an extension of your relationship to be able to do that with each other? I think as well. And like sometimes I find with Terry, all the bands, but like with Terry, like we can get like a new song and we can start playing it. And like we're just so used to each other now because we've done so many tours and stuff. Mm. Like we can just start playing so quickly and easily and it's so mm. effortless or something. Like mm. it's it's really cool. Zephyrin and Anthea, they moved to Sydney. They're both from there. And I think, I mean, I think they're pretty settled there now, yeah. but we still want to like keep doing stuff, but it will probably just be at a, yeah, like a, you know, we probably won't be able to get together and play shows. I mean, to be honest, I think like if COVID hadn't have happened, we probably would have played shows because they do come down a lot and we yeah. always love going to Sydney. They were here over Christmas and we had a couple of jams and we've got, we've got like a bunch of songs. So like when we can see each other a bit more, we're probably we'll have like a new record, but it's just whether, mm. when that will kind of be. Um, we've got like 10 songs. Right. Mm. That we've jammed <laughs> yeah. and recorded demos of. Well, you just haven't really made a plan to move ahead with them. I haven't had enough time to like play them but mm, mm. we were sending each other demos and stuff and then when we got together recently we just ran through them all but yeah long distance bands yeah yeah I think like we were kind of doing that at the start as well where it's like when the band started we were kind of doing home demos and sending them to each other because I think we were all getting into just recording ourselves a little bit so um it made us, you know, experiment with recording ourselves, mm. which was fun. Why are you good at it now? Do you feel nah. like? <laughs> I like I like it. It's really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I like it too. Mikey recorded the last Terry record though. Down at um Sorrento um Surf Club. Yeah. Beach Shack. Nice. Yeah. I would do that just to be able to put that on my record. <laughs> totally. <laughs> there was that time like in the early two thousand tens where Everyone was trying to get you to be like Australian of the year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone started a Facebook? Yeah, Facebook. I yeah, thought. they yeah. did. Was that just something where it was just like everyone was behind it for like a hot second and then it kind of fizzled out? I think it was a piss take. Well, I thought at, fir at first I was like accusing everyone around me. I was like, you're such a bastard. Who did this? <laughs> well, did I you think Rupert? Who I was accusing Dick I Diver? was like 100% sure that Rupert from Dick Diver was had it? done it. No. Nah. It was... Um, it was just like a like a fan, like a guy that really liked the music, wasn't right. it? Yeah, from right. Geelong Way. Well, rolling into that as well. And where is that question? It was really embarrassing, the uh, Australian of the Year thing, <laughs> I was trying to say. Yeah. People liked it, though. People loved it. It was funny. Yeah. It was funny. It was funny. Yeah. I think it was around the same time is when the term, like, doll wave started to get thrown around. Can you remember, like, first hearing about it, like, what bands... You were playing in. Someone wrote a whole article about 
doll wave that started with School of Radiant Living. And we were like, really? Because we were like, we're not doll wave. <laughs> like maybe like that they hadn't really researched that much, like didn't know that me and Harriet were from New Zealand mm. and stuff. I don't know. But anyway. Have lots of theories about Dow Wave, all the different huh. like areas. Please go of into them. Waves or what do you call it? Yeah, waves. <laughs> First, the Dow Wave waves. No, no, what do you call it? Oh no. Post Dow Wave stage. What do I call it? I don't know what I call it. Oh, I can't remember. Job but pro- wave. Proto Dow Wave. Proto Dow Wave is oh, like. Yeah. Uh, Marky hates this. We always say that Eddie Curran. He's like, bullshit, we are not. I was like, look at the fucking Apple playlist. You're on the (laughs) You're on the Double Live playlist. You're number one. Wait, is that like a Spotify playlist? Maybe there is. It's on something. I can't remember, but 
someone sent it to me recently and yeah, Eddie Curran right up the top. Yeah. Uh who else? Panel of judges Panel probably of judges. pretty oh, right. influential on the doll waivers. Because mm. I think the first ones were like that they said were Radiant Living, mm. but Scott and Charlene's yeah. Bitch Prefect. Yeah, no, definitely. Twerps and yeah. Dick Diver. Yeah, yeah. Courtney Barnett's probably Stadium Doll Wave. Stage. <laughs> yeah. um, made it, Doll Wave. Made it, yeah. yeah. Um, no longer Doll Wave, Doll, doll Wave. <laughs> but that was the funny thing. It was like when it came out, I was like, fuck, this is the only, this is the first time in my life I've had yeah. a job. But, and it wasn't the band. I'm like, I'm not even, I'm just not on the doll and this doll wave thing. Shouldn't come technically up. like cross punk be like doll Well, wave? that's the thing. Um, when it, Also when it came out, I think um, Melbourne band cunts were like, oh, yeah. years later, Mackie told me, he was like, yeah, that was bullshit. Like we were on the doll. That should have, we should have, our genre should have been called doll wave. I'm like, yeah. That's true. That and also, like, I feel like um, Kitchen's Floor, like yes. internal sound check oh, yeah. kind of sound. Big time. Oh, yeah, it was just weird. It was just like yeah. for something that I thought the sound that they were describing, I thought sounded so polished in a way. Mm. Like having come from like going to crust punk gigs. like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, from 16, you know, keep on, yeah, continue to go. Yeah. It's like I was like this is not <laughs> – this is not Doll Wave, what you're saying. Well, Even though it was a bit like looking internal at topics of, you know, Australian history and, you know, modern Australian identity. I guess if, if that's all they're going to call Doll Wave, fine. It, it's a funny was name. Because you kind of think like some of the bands had lyrics that were kind of maybe a bit like that, mm. but like Dick Diver didn't really. I guess it's kind of like everyday life-y mm. lyrics. Which I think is yeah, Australian accent. Yeah, you'd you call it like yeah, that's more just like Australiana as mm. opposed to like yeah, mm. yeah, doll wave. Yeah, but I can understand more like Scott and Charlene's wedding being doll wave because talking about being in Melbourne, mm. being upset and stuff like that, you know, <laughs> makes a bit more sense for that sort of stuff. Yeah, but. totally. We did have a song. Dick Diver had a song called "New Start Again," though. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> that could true. have been the yeah. That's everybody's um. <laughs> that's everybody's COVID song when they lost their job and had to go back on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> job seeker. Job seeker job, again. Yeah. Tell me about Hideotic. Have you done anything on Hideotic recently, or like why did you start doing Hideotic? Well, I didn't start it. Ah, right. Georgia <laughs> ah, from right. UV Race started it. Mm. She put out a constant mongrel tape. The first constant mongrel tape is a Hideotic release right and that's when she was trying to um court what do you say she was a court in here she was caught in here <laughs> so so she was she like, like i want to do your ban <laughs> can i have this uv race money to do this um release and we're I like that's awesome yeah do it and then nothing really happened for a while mm. and then i was like pretty good name Ooh. maybe we should later on i forget what the next thing oh maybe in like 2000 and 14, 2013, went to New Zealand. Could have been 2012. Hmm. Let's call it 2012. Went to New Zealand. Did we go there that early? Yeah, we met the Fockers. And went for a wedding and met. Yeah, Ruth's wedding. Yeah, met Type, this guy named Type in Wellington, Hmm. who was bass player of a great band called Terror of the Deep. 
My friend Ben Buchanan, like, burnt us a CD. He was like, oh, you'll love this band. Mm. But we, yeah, got that CD. I was like, this is awesome. And I was like, these guys would be really good in Melbourne mm. with the um, dull wave affinity, so <laughs> right. to speak. Um, but I just thought, you know, they, to me they sounded like velvety, you know, velvety influence and heavy Kiwi influence as well. I was like, cool, maybe this it's is kind something. It's psychedelic leaning or something. I don't know. What is that? Like, yeah, big that's time. That's cool. But, yeah, ask them, put out a tape. So you've just continued it on after that. Yeah. And you just do it like whenever there's something that you like or like whenever there's something you've done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think then did maybe did Snake, the Snake tape, which I did. I was, I was like, this isn't, yeah. this isn't good. Maybe I shouldn't. That was 2013. I 2013. Think, right? okay. uh, I think I've got sense. my timelines all right. Um, <laughs> I've got it all here. <laughs> <laughs> but the, I think I was like, oh, cool. Maybe that's, yeah, I'll just do it tape don't want to impose on anyone else and had done the terror of the deep tape and that was fun knew how to press tapes and then i think what was the next one i can't remember what else came i think (laughs) i can't i literally cannot think of any (laughs) band calamari girls calamari girls yeah yeah or primo one of those yeah and it was just like i know that maybe the other the people in that band, besides Tom in Calamaro Girls, hadn't really done releases and I'm not sure. And they were such a good band. I was like, do you want to do something? Mm. I was. It was more, yeah, I, they're so good, such a good band. But yeah. I was never like, oh, I need this on the label. Yeah. It's like just organically I, I want, kind of happen. Yeah, it's like just, friends helping friends, like friends collaborating with friends. It's another way to collaborate that's not being in a band, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just wanted it to get out there, and I was I was already going around to shops every single weekend, mm. you know, peddling either UV rays, East Link, <laughs> you know, other idiotic stuff. So I was going around all the time. I was like, "Well, let's just keep this going. I'll yeah, just yeah. keep this. You make enjoyed, sure it gets out." You enjoyed putting the tapes together and stuff. I think. Yeah, I used to make mix CDs for idiotic. Yeah, up until maybe two years ago. Mix CDs with two songs from each band yeah. and take them to radio. Oh, it's a smart idea. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was like pretty cool. But yeah. what do you call that? A sampler. Sampler. Yes. Yeah. Ah. And I was like, I told Tim one time, I was like, did you get the fucking CD? And he's like, what? No, nobody checks their, their boxes. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> but then people were playing it. So some people check their boxes. Well, let's. Do you? Well, I didn't even know. I, I don't know if I have a box. It's been like two years. I have no idea. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, I feel like in the past people would like send you stuff. And mm. now like I spend so much time just looking for stuff yeah. to play yeah. to make it interesting. You know, people don't send out stuff anymore. It's just like online and then you just got to like do your research and shit, mm. which is fine. It's just things have changed a lot. Mm. Yeah. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Were you in Constant Mongrel from the start or did you join at some point? I think I joined because I don't think that first tape I wasn't on, was I? No. Was that before you guys knew each other, this tape, or? I think we knew each other. That's that's the start. Blossoming. (laughs) (laughs) I think Georgia and Hugh were seeing each other at that point and... He must have just asked if I joined the band mm. and I was just like, yeah. I was like, set, <laughs> be in another band. That's yeah, a- and it was really fun. Like I think the first music was really kind of garagey and stuff mm. but it was kind of fun to play because of that and we like, oh, my God, our shows always so much just fell apart. It was just <laughs> such a scene. Things would always go wrong. But, yeah, so I think that would have been like just after the tape. Because I remember listening mm. to the tape and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll so you're there the from, from early on. Pretty early on, yeah. yeah. And then we did the first record and then we got, I think they were friends with Taco League. They they went Yeah, to I had Perth that tape. And mm. did a show with Taco League and met Andrew that way. And then one of the songs on that first record is has Andrew singing on it. And mm. then he was just in the band from then, I think. I don't know. Did he move here? I think he moved to he Melbourne. Have to, yeah. Like he did, but yeah, and then we were like, I oh, will just get him in the band. <laughs> and then it all came together. Beautiful. And then slowly we started poaching other people like Tom Hardesty and got Alan on sax. Ah, right. To make the super group. Are you still in the band as like a sax player? Yeah, I mm. think. I just go. He, when don't, he I'm, always just like doesn't yeah, think yeah. he's like in the band officially, but you play all the shows. So I think Pretty technically much. You're, <laughs> a, yeah. you're a constant mongrel side piece. <laughs> yeah. Basically. So does life look a lot different from like years of doing like these bands and these tours and stuff, and then COVID hit, and now we're coming out the other side? Have, does think do things just look a lot different to like what you thought they would look like? Maybe two years ago looking forward in terms of music and stuff? I guess we were just so used to, like, playing so regularly. Mm. Like, we would be playing, like, at least, like, once a week, one of us and sometimes three times a week or something. Mm. We just got so used to that that it was almost a little bit, um, like, I don't know if we would have really been able to keep that up. Mm. So Mm. COVID was kind of like in a way a nice break for me personally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's strange not seeing all the people that you're so used to seeing every week and stuff. Mm. Like I don't I don't know if I ever really look ahead that far to think about what. I mean, I guess we always thought that we'd be probably like touring once a year like we would usually do with one of our bands or mm. and that kind of thing and that's just not really in the future anymore. So not for a little while anyway. Yeah, I think with the touring stuff, it's like we've we toured every we've year. We've been so lucky. We've done so so many lucky. Tours. Mm. So super privileged to be able to travel with music and yeah, play pretty much tour every single year for the last thirteen years. That's like insane. insane. Nobody mm. else, you know. Well, I guess like musicians get to do that. But <laughs> not, yeah, not yeah. everyone. So feel really lucky for that. But it's also like you kind of go and it becomes like a root, 
routine. Routine sounds drab, but it's like it becomes like a just something that's like expected. Exactly. Kind of yeah. yeah. It's like oh, okay, finish one two. It's like well, well, you know, you did. I know we did um, um, Leipzig this year. You know what else is good? Fucking mm. Dresden, Dresden. We're doing Dresden next year. It's like <laughs> cool. Let's start like. Arranging the new records. And then your ten other bands are just like, oh, but we we're going on tour. True, and you're like, yeah. all right, let me just fit this in. <laughs> and then work's just like, you got to work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah. Working all in between, but then also I feel like you don't necessarily like change anything about your life because you're kind of like that's just that's what you're gonna do. Mm. Like you know that for like a month, that yeah, like that's what you need to save money for, and mm. you know. So it's like, I guess in a way, like COVID's really kind of changed things up and it's been, I guess, awful for a lot of people, but I was kind of working throughout and stuff. So for me, it was just like a strange, eerie kind of break from my usual life. Hmm. And that isolation, I think, was just so hard for a lot of people, for so many people. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. But, like, I mean, time moves and now we're, like, almost a year mm. up until that point and there are shows happening again. Mm. And saying which, are you guys playing any shows soon? You're playing. I got a ticket to your show Cops at Max Watt. Primo, exec, alien nose job. Mm. We're playing that? Yep. We played our first Sleeper and Snake gig last week. Oh, yeah. Last yeah. week um, at Nighthawks. Who was that with? Brickhead. Brickhead. Mm. Yeah, that was really fun. I was kind of like, oh, it'll be really weird because, like, obviously social distancing, there's not going to be able to be anyone up there. And it was like, oh, it seems quite squished. It felt the same. <laughs> no, For yeah, Nighthawks, really? yeah. Wait, so it was Nighthawks. What was the capacity there? 40 or something? Yeah. Yeah. 40 or 50. And then it was like, well, I'm like, well, you can't fit more than. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm like, I what's the capacity up there anyway? A hundred? And then I was like, no, nah, this just feels really packed. Yeah. But yeah. people weren't squished up the front. No. So yeah. I think it was more like, you know, how people just tend to kind of clump together or something because mm. no one wants to be like really close to the stage where mm. if people just kept coming in, it would have filled up if it was full capacity. Yeah. You've got to tell people to move up like those hardcore bands. Yeah, like, I know. Everybody comes oh, to the front. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was too shocked to be alive and on stage to even yeah. think about something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm always conflicted by move up the front. Yeah, because with straight jacket, it'd be like you, move you up have the a front. Gag about it, don't and you? <laughs> yeah, I do it with Terry sometimes as a gag. It? But it was, I'm just like, <laughs> pretty much that. Yeah, I don't know. I think I say plenty of room up the front. I, like, I don't know what I say, but it, like with the straight jacket, it's always like move up the front. It's like surely, like when people move up the front now, it's like whoever moves up the front's gonna get knocked over. Yeah, yeah, but oh. you know they know what they're in for. Tell me about. Your visa, by the way, because we are talking about it a bit before, but did you say you're actually about to get permanent residency here or? Well, I kind of have been thinking about it for a while. Yeah. Like, and obviously as a New Zealander, I can live here just as a resident and can have Medicare and stuff. So I'm obviously like really lucky in all those regards. Mm -hmm. But I think I just like know that I'm going to stay here permanently and just kind of want to just have that safety net of like actually being an Australian, I guess, and be able to vote and mm. be part of society, not a second class kind of like. Get deported. Could get deported if I got arrested at a protest or something. So yeah. I'll just, yeah, like I think it's just maybe like my time. So 
I looked into permanent residency, which is like heaps cheaper, but you have to earn over a certain amount of money for right. like four or five years, which right. I don't think I've quite hit that threshold, especially like playing <laughs> bands when you're they? like away a lot yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So because I was like, mm, okay, that's not going to happen. So I think I'm going to maybe do the partner visa, mm. which is expensive, but. So yeah. you're well, doing the I've um, always just been able to live here. Yeah. And then um and in a way I've kind of always been like, I don't want to be in Australia. Sorry, everyone. But I was like, I'm fucking New Zealand, that's good. So when Close you came enough. here, there was like a plan to go back. Like you're like, I'm here, but no. Yeah. I just came here so like I think I'd like pretty much woke up hungover and bought a ticket. You yeah. know, like there was no planning. And look at you. There was no now. idea. <laughs> yeah. Met. Fine specimens sitting next to me. <laughs> and now I'm staying. Um, in, a, in an agnostic front t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> and some mambo thongs. Yeah. They're reggae colours. Yeah, no, I didn't think I would stay here long term, but I do really like Melbourne. I think it's just, you know, you just become part of the furniture and you just, yeah. Have you ever considered moving to New Zealand? Has that been a conversation? 
we've talked about it. I mm. said all the time, I was like, well, you want to move to New Zealand, sweet, <laughs> let's just do it. You were very sick because I was like, oh, I become Australian? You're like, can I then become a New Zealander? But New Zealand's awesome. I do really New Zealand's love beautiful. The reality of moving back there, I don't know. I don't mm. know. I guess it's just that thing where you move somewhere else and then all your friends in life are here mm-hmm. and your whole family's here and we usually would be able to go back to New Zealand like once a year or something. It's like relatively cheap certain times of year and so I can see all my family. Um, so it's not usually a problem, but this year it's obviously been a bit of a problem. So speaking about touring, mm. you both on your fair amount of tours. Can you tell me that like whenever someone asks you about tours, what's the thing that like you always think about with all the tours that you've done, all the places that you've been, it's like always like the memory that pops into your head about touring. It's the cover. God, I could, was it in Geneva when we stayed in that squat and they put us in the ceiling? I don't know. Oh, For some reason, toilet. I yeah. always think of the, um, just that whole tour was really funny and there was that guy with the harmonica that turned up. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know. I always think of the funny <laughs> things. I never think of like, oh, this gig was really good. I always think of like the trauma <laughs> and <laughs> like really uncomfortable <laughs> moments. Yeah, I don't know. Out? <laughs> um, yeah. I think. Um, so many funny things so happen many, on yeah, tours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this, the Geneva shrub, like was the one that really flashes to my mind. I think we thought like Switzerland. This yeah. is one of the richest countries on the earth. So, one the so we played with this band called Marauder who were really good, and they were like, "Oh my god, you're staying at this place? It's really amazing!" <laughs> like they like led me to believe like it was someone's <laughs> parents' house that was like a mansion. Like 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 literally described this place as a mansion. Yes, it was like a big house, but it was like all there were like pretty much like chickens in the fucking living room. Um, they like just kept taking us up. Like this random person was like, oh, you know, up here, up here. Like quasi And then there was just like just a like... hole in the ceiling with a ladder, and I was like, I don't want to go up there. Like, you know, when you're so tired and but you're disgusting because you've like sweated. Yeah. And that like wasn't the, the worst bathroom part. just like, the, the, the summer. Like, that oh. wasn't even bad. That was fine. It was like a mattress, which is what it's not <laughs> what you always true. get. It we was like I'm like a cool a mattress. This is amazing. <laughs> a mattress on the floor. I was fine with that. But then when we went down the um, ladder to go to the toilet, no, I did in the night. And then there was a guy, and he was just like who, like he didn't know who I was, and got really freaked out. Like they didn't even tell them that we were staying there. They just took us there and put us in the roof space. Yeah, I think that we just got put in someone's house. That was like it felt like it felt like imposing. And, yeah. Chris, and it was. Chris who runs upset the rhythm, so he's driven us on lots of our tours because mm. he's just like an angel and we're always just like, you have to drive us because we don't want to drive. Because we impose. Yeah. But um he slept on the couch and at some point in the night someone just like came and shone like a <laughs> light in his face. Uh, that there's lots of weirder ones than that, I so guess. Rude. But that's the one that just always comes to mind for some reason. You know, when you're like at a certain point of the tour, but I must have just been at a certain point of exhaustion where it was just everything was just like so traumatizing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had lots of 
good time. So like um, Chris, Chris who drove us, like he's a real history buff. So yeah. he'd love to like take us places and then he'd be like, you know, take us to like an ancient burial chamber in Wales or something, you mm. know, like so it was always really fun. Always doing good that stuff. kind of stuff. Mm. Yeah. But quite often we'd also get places like, you know, we'd be like, oh, right, arrive somewhere in Spain and then like we'd have to do sound check and he'd go off and see all these like amazing things. Then he'd be come back and he'd be like, oh, I just saw blah, blah. And we'd be like, cool. <laughs> yeah. I think sound checks is Drum, another thing. Just going, dum, dum. Because yeah. we don't really sound check that much here in Melbourne. But mm. like, I think if you're touring, you're like, you know, often like the main band or whatever. So it's like, they want you to sound check, which I'm like, oh man. So he's getting to gigs early. Yeah. Sound checking. Here's the top five things of tour. Sound check. <laughs> looking for food. Oh yeah. yeah. What are we gonna eat? With Terry, because three vegetarians and a celiac. Mm. We always ate really healthy. Well, literally every place we went had just made like a bowl of lentils. Like that was pretty much the vibe. Yeah. No, we did get fed really well. Was, there was always like a lentil salad. I think that's maybe like a very French thing though. Maybe the French shows, lentil mm. salad. Or just like a general kind of gruel of beans or something that you'd get. <laughs> France, you'd always get yummy cheeses and stuff though. I think Greg Daly said when I was like, oh, looking forward to touring Europe one day, and he said, what, rice and chasse? <laughs> Shit. (laughs) (laughs) Where was the gig where the band room was like really small and there was like a toilet right there and then they like had food (laughs) set up like but it was like literally in the toilet? Like so close. Oh yeah, that was brighter. Andy old? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, am I hungry enough to eat this toilet food? I think I'm a freak. I like. You love it. I well, love reveling in you, like, other maniacs. From, you love meeting yeah. people. Yeah. But you and you'll always do the hard yards of because you know, like everywhere you go, people want you to party, and you're so partied out, and then you're just like, oh, do we push on through? But you'll you always take it for the team and stay up chatting to the people. I don't even feel like it's taking for the team because. But if some of us are really some, tired. Even if they're maniacs, at least they're maniacs. That's nice. There was a good um, primo tour one where it was a little bit of like that. We were so tired and um, Xanth had some sort of like synthetic weed or something. It wasn't spice. Spice. No, it was, I can't remember what it was. But she like stayed up all night and like literally like when we got up in the morning, she was just a ghost, you know, and we had to get up early and go to another gig. Yeah. And it was just like a brutal day because we did like part of a primo tour in the UK. We caught trains. Yeah. Which we were like, that'll be fun. Wait, and why did it was you like, catch trains? Why did we do that? Yeah. I don't know. It was just all seemed like a good idea. Maybe we were just like, oh, that'll be great. Really annoying to move gear onto trains. Yeah, just running for a train, like everyone's just like cat holding an Getting amp. Getting off either. in some places because it's suddenly just all these people get on as you get closer to the city and then you're like, fuck, we've got to get like guitars and stuff and get off. Tours are fun. But, yeah, as you say, like at the time sometimes you're just like a bit alarmed by things but in retrospect it's just so funny. And I think as well because you kind of need to like, I don't know, like maybe some people don't, but I like would drink to be able to be social at the gigs mm, and totally. like and so by the end of it you're just so worn out 
but then you're also quite pissed so you're just like having a really good time but then you just like crash completely yeah. when you come back to yeah. Australia. We did the I think the last Terry tour we did was just in the UK and Ireland like we decided that I think the previous one we did a longer tour and that was when we got like robbed in Belgium. What happened with that? We just our van just like really mysteriously just got robbed of just our personal belongings. Mm. So like didn't take any guitars or anything. Like just literally just took our bags like with passports. Our clothes. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Well, Al and I lost our passports. Yeah. Because we were like, oh, it's like the middle of the day. It's like on a really busy. Mm. No one's going to do anything. Yeah, yeah. We were like probably worse to carry them around. So mm. we just like left them in there. Got robbed. Lost like just all our clothes and stuff. And then we, I think we missed one gig because we missed Brighton because we just couldn't get back in time because we both had to get our passports mm. and Australia was really slow. Mm. I got my one pretty quickly, but um, Al actually came back separately on the Eurostar and we just <laughs> no. made a London gig, which was maybe with Shearmag. Was that gig with Shearmag, that one after we got robbed? Yeah. But, yeah, so then the next tour we were like, let's just have a chill one. We'll just drive ourselves. And we literally just got a car mm. that could just fit everything. Um, and then we just, like, drove ourselves around, went on the ferry over to Dublin, Belfast. It was awesome. Yeah. But, yeah, that I was driving heaps, so it wasn't so much, yeah, like you say, that you could just party and then sleep in the van, which is maybe what I'd done a bit more on previous tours. But it was good. But because the UK, like, nothing is that far apart mm. anyway. So none of the drives were, like, hectic. The longest one was maybe in the end when we drove back to London or something. Did you mm. go all the way up to, like, uh, what, Scotland, Ireland? We went to Glasgow and mm. Edinburgh on that one. Yeah, we did a lap. We did a we, full. Oh, we didn't go p- higher than Glasgow. Oh, no, we went to Edinburgh, yeah. Yeah. We and didn't then, play Wales on that trip, but we drove nah. through it. But then we also... I think we drove there to get to Dublin, didn't oh, we? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great interview. You, I thought you were supposed to be good at <laughs> geography. We definitely did. I just didn't want to, um, you know. Push the point. Push the point. But, yeah, played Belfast for the first time on that tour, which was really cool. Yeah. We How did we got a gig somehow? How, how did that happen with that guy? We, like, bullied him into... <laughs> Yeah, I he, yeah. It's when you email, you know, when you email someone, <laughs> and you're like, "Cool, they've put on gigs before. They've been suggested by someone else." Yeah, he was like, "Oh, I just it, don't do that anymore. There's no way you can play." And like, we just like kept pushing. The yeah. point. I've got, he got, I've got his kids. Band I had to, to leave come early. Out of retirement <laughs> to play. Yeah, yeah. He maybe on a tweet had said, "Yay, I love love the new record," and I, maybe I was like. Or maybe you just said in the the tweet, like, are you coming to Belfast or something, which we were like, yeah, if you put on a gig. And then that's how it happened. Bullied him. Yeah. It's a bully. Classic bully the promoter. What did you guys do during COVID? Considering you came into 2020 having an expectation of the year and things that you were going to do, and did you end up actually taking a break or did you find it a thing where you could create without kind of having the interruption of tours and gigs and, like, people, basically. I think at the start of last year I was kind of like, what am I going to do this year? Like Zephyr and Xanthi have moved in a state and I've kind of spent so much the last 
five years doing <clears throat> Terry. Georgia was having another baby. Moses had just had a baby. But UV Race still kind of would do the odd show every mm. now and then. I think we thought we'd finish the UV Race sequel. That's something we thought we might do. Didn't happen. On the but movie. It, yeah. yeah. It's in the works. It's in the works. Joe's still tinkering away in He's New York. It. But I think it was like almost having, yeah, I thought it would be a break because it would be down two bands, Terry and We just Total finished Control. the Sleeper and Snake record though, so we thought that would come mm. out, but it came out during COVID, mm. so you couldn't really do anything. Mm. And besides that, I well, think we just were, worked. Yeah. 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 We were kind of like staying up really late and like just eating lots of food. <laughs> like that was yeah. pretty much it. I probably started maybe drinking a little bit more than I should have. Yeah, lucky we get along too, Amy and I. So it was like You thought you thought moving in was the test and then COVID <laughs> happened. Ready for the partner visa now. Yeah. Joint <laughs> bank account. Joint bank account. But yeah. What did we do? That. Oh, it all went so quickly. I feel like I did nothing. At some point, like, I set up a little space to, like, have as a studio. I was like, oh, dude, like, all this painting and stuff. <laughs> and then I was like, literally, it just sat there just collecting dust. Yeah. Making me feel guilty. <laughs> <laughs> and people yeah, would be like, blame the dust. oh, you must be doing heaps of music. And I'd be like, hmm, not really. We did a few live tours things, some more successfully than others. We did that thing that was for, like, that Third Man TV, which I don't think ever happened. Ever happened. What was yeah. that? Third Man Public Access. Was it just a kind Is of that a COVID YouTube channel? thing? Yeah, it's like Jack White's label. Oh. And, um. Whoa. You just time. know the guy, though. Like, we literally yeah, no, were like, oh, we'll do it. Maybe the they ask, shop. like, another yeah. band and then we're like, oh, but have you ever heard <laughs> Sleeper and Snake? We'll do it. But never really kind of eventuated. But you did the Triple R one. Triple R one was good. Mm. We tried to do a live release of one of our songs, which went really pear-shaped and, like, the whole song we didn't realise, but it was <laughs> overblowing so much that it sounded like some, like, really out there, like, techno song. <laughs> and people were like, love you, a new direction. Like, <laughs> and at the end we're like, go up and look, and we're like, how was it? And they're just like, you're going to have to do that again. Oh, no. Text from Coco. Yeah, that didn't work. You're fired. You're fired. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Hey, that could be your new direction, 2021. Mm. Also did, also jammed a few times with Alex McFarlane. Oh, cool. Like five times. Mm. Got a few realms in the can. So we might do like a tape. What's the name? Chateau. It's very post-neo- Band. <laughs> Escape to the Chateau. That's not out mm. in the world yet, though, is it? You're no. still mixing. Hobbies galore. Yeah. Or idiotic. What about or it's both. like one side from each band? Like, yeah. I mean, label. Yeah, my my side sounds like slightly <laughs> muffled. <laughs> and the photocopying's really bad. Just like wonky edges. <laughs> Keeping that punk aesthetic going. No, all idiotic um, releases are up to scratch. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, so it's 2021 now. Things are starting to open back up. What do you guys have going on at the moment and like for the next couple of months? You've got a couple of gigs. Got a couple of gigs. Um, but everything's kind of like, like we didn't even know if Santa was going to make it down for those gigs until literally like a few days ago. So it's all a little bit like have to wait with the borders and stuff so tensions are a little high with that but I think hopefully things are smoothing out now 
We've got a whole Terry record to that record. That we've got to figure out. Probably a whole Total Control record to do. You'd have no Primo jams. No I actually, Primo have got some new yeah. songs. But it's just whether we can, yeah, get together to, like, work on them. But yeah. Theo and Xanthi have a really good system where they kind of, like, send each other things and then we all, like, kind of get together and work on them. But we'll just see what happens with that. We've got one song. Might play one of the new songs at these shows. Yeah. Oh, Mouse and good. Me. The Mouse and Me, that's a really good song. I think Theo wrote it when she was living by herself during lockdown and there was just like a mouse in the house. It's really good. <laughs> I think I literally am not making any plans. Hopefully go to New Zealand at some point, but that's like the only thing that I'm kind of like banking and working towards when I'm allowed. As soon as Europe gets the vaccine, I'm going to help Carl Frog book a tour because he's a bit useless with... He wants to go to... Other parts of Europe. Yeah. But he's stuck in Tallinn. People think that Carl Frog is L, yeah. by the way, yeah. which well, I really I like all these conspiracy <laughs> theories. Because <laughs> you put out the tape on Hideotic, right? I remember yeah. you coming into Lulu's and dropping off a couple copies. Yeah, but he's over there, so we've got we've to get him out in the world. I guess, like, I mean, you guys have been in a bunch of different bands over a pretty long period of time, and I'm sure in that time you've been pretty involved with, like, your friends and the music going on, but, like, starting to see younger people now coming up and making music and post-COVID, what do you see in like maybe the next couple of years moving forward in terms of like the sound of new music or like do you have... Because we're the older people now. I guess. <laughs> like, I mean, even I would, like I'm, mm. yeah. Like do you feel like some, like things that you've done in music has like made a sound that younger people are like making in Australia as well, you know, like. I think it's hard. pondering it. Because it's like, well, I guess we've take, like we can only be inspired by, you know, the music that's, that we've created. So maybe they've heard the same stuff. Maybe they've just skipped a generation or whatever. But it's also like weird, like the scene in Melbourne, we kind of know this far, but there's so many bands everywhere but mm. I have no clue who they are and stuff mm. but like we do kind of keep quite insular like insular with like the people that we know and stuff mm. Al's always like oh yeah let's play with this band that you know uh, young we've never heard of and I'll just be like oh I don't know Amy's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, like what if really they steal my wallet <laughs> <laughs> I've been to Europe I'm just like oh, I don't trust these young people no, I think I don't think I know enough about like I'm pretty bad with stuff like that. Like I know some people will maybe like keep more in touch with the music scene and stuff, but I'm pretty bad. Yeah, I there's so much great new stuff and yeah. I can't wait to hear more. I think yeah. We get really good um like Steph working for the Triple J Unearthed. She always ah. like has these like gems of like <laughs> amazing musicians from around Australia that she'll like put us on to. I look forward to hearing what's next though. I don't know, even I feel like maybe I know we're saying like, oh, we're older, we're just dis- we're disconnected. But third I feel wave. That's the, what you're oh, fourth, do- fourth wave doll four, wave. I know we're fourth <laughs> I know we're first wave doll wave, but we're talking about yeah. like fourth wave doll wave now. But it's like bands, you know, where people are a bit younger than us. But we're we are such good friends. We see each other all the time. Yeah, we hang out, and they are a bit younger, and 
we played play with them all the time. I was going to ask you to name some, like, but just like, well, I don't know, like, well, even like Parsnip or someone like Parsnip who. Yeah, I always just forget that people are younger. I still think that I'm fucking 17. Like, I really, truly have never, like, yeah. enough to, like, you know. Parsnip, like, Zach from Execution, like. Yeah. Much. His tape is great. So but, good. Yeah, yeah. It's like, and he's, like, so much younger. Like. He's, like, not 19. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's amazing. You'll be like, on. Oh, Name a band, and I like can't think of any. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I'm like I never know. Like, I'm just like, oh, what were those people? What is that? We're playing at no- that noisy ritual gig, and yeah. then you were like, oh, because it has to be like a kind of quiet band that we're playing with. And then we we're trying to think of bands, and then he was just like, just think of bands that you like. And I was just like, oh my god, I don't yeah. know. Like, oh god. We were trying to get um Oscar Perry to play with us mm. on his new tape. Oscar Perry. Um, <laughs> yeah. If he doesn't play. That tape is amazing. The one off um, Hobby School. It's so yeah. good. Well, yeah, I think yeah. that's pretty much it. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having us. <laughs> pretty fun. That was really fun. I'm glad. I'm glad. A big thanks to Amy and Al for coming in to chat. And a big thanks to you for listening. Additional content can be found on the episode page at litmus.media, where you can also contact me if you have any questions or suggestions. Another interview episode is out next week, so stay tuned to the Modern Australian Underground. Litmus Media. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.